Welcome to your headquarters for knowledge and helpful advice on a variety of topics, all from trusted experts in their fields. It's time for River City Podcasts. We have two car experts with us today, Sean Hayes, General Manager of CMA's Colonial Chevrolet, and on the sales team, Denny Blevins. Sean Hayes and Denny Blevins, welcome to River City Podcast. Hey, thank you. We're here today to talk about buying a used car. All right. Something that is terrifying for some of us, but also a great investment. But used cars can have a lot of issues with wear and tear. And if you're in the market for a used car, there's just some things you should know, some questions you should ask. And we're going to dig a little deeper into that. Okay. First question I have is let's talk about the vehicle history report. How important is that and how do you get it? There's a couple main people. There's Carfax. You probably have heard of them. And then there's AutoCheck. Many different ways you can source that out. You can get it yourself, actually. But uh, most dealerships will provide you that. And it is crucial. You want to look it over. It is the history of the vehicle. And just because it has an accident on it, minor accident, doesn't mean it's a bad car. Well, and let's dig into that. That's actually one of the things I wanted to talk about. I've been advised, I'm sure a lot of people have been advised that a vehicle, once it's in at least a fairly significant accident, it's sort of never the same again. Let's talk about what is acceptable and maybe what you should be a little bit more cautious about. Well, I think everything's based on what you're paying for a vehicle. Right. (laughs) Right? If it's 500 bucks, whatever. Right. So say a car that you're going to go look at is never been in a wreck. One owner, perfect condition. The vehicle history report checks out. The service department looks at it. It's a great vehicle, right? They can market that as a perfect priced vehicle. They can get all the money for that. Right. If something has been in a wreck before, but it's minor, You would expect it to be a little cheaper than a perfect car. Just because something's been in a minor accident, somebody could have drove that for two, three, four years afterwards. doesn't mean anything. We all get little bumper problems at Walmart or at Target, right? You might have backed into somebody. Well, that's going to show up on the Carfax as an accident, even though it really wasn't an accident. Does it list anything specific about the accident or how can you find out more information? It'll say minor accident. It'll say major accident, airbags deployed. If it (laughs) says airbags deployed, then, you know, you might want to do more research and look into it. But if it's priced appropriately for the accident that it was in, then just make sure that you know that. Like, hey, what's a perfect one cost? What's one been through a little bit, but it's in good shape now? I remember my wife wrecked a vehicle after she bought it. She drove it for another five years after it was fixed, and it was it was great. I always look at that. When did the accident happen, and when did they sell it and get rid of it? Okay, so in this example, if it's been a week, we don't really know what's going to shake out from that accident. Correct. If it's been two years, it's right. probably fine. Absolutely. Okay, that's really good. That's yeah. really helpful information. Let's talk about the inspection of the exterior and interior. That's something somebody always says is you got to check the exterior, you got to check the interior. But for somebody like me, like what am I actually looking for? First thing you would want to look at is tires. It's going to be the biggest major investment. Say it's like three years old. The main things you want to look at is, you know, tires. Hey, am I going to have to put more investment into this vehicle right after I just purchased this vehicle? Right. Okay. If somebody's out there looking and shopping for a vehicle, they probably don't want to put any more money into a vehicle. So tires would be the first thing I look at. 
I look at all the overall condition of the vehicle. You can tell something's been worn. You can see by the inside if the interior is just really raggedy or something like that. Then they probably didn't take really good care of it. Yeah. Now, if it's 10 years old, that's going to have a life cycle of 10 years. It should look like a 10-year-old vehicle. So don't ever expect a 10 to 15-year-old vehicle to look like a new one. And I know that's what everybody wants. It's just not possible. We all age, right? Right. We don't look like we're 21 anymore. Speak for yourself. Yes. Well, you do. (laughs) I do not. At one time, we were all 21, right? Right. But the more you age, as long as it was aged appropriately and taken care of while that person owned it, you can oftentimes just tell by looking at it, driving it. This is a key thing. Always drive the vehicle. You want to drive it. And so many people don't want to drive it. I think it's because they don't want to become emotionally attached to the vehicle before they're ready to buy it. But I think that really helps you make a decision whether you should buy it or not. Well, let's dig into that a little bit too, because here's another one where I'm just completely not savvy. If I'm test driving a car, tell me some key things that people should be really paying attention to. What are they looking for during that test drive? You know what a car feels like when you buy it new or when it's good. You have a vehicle now. When you drive it, you don't notice anything wrong. Right. Okay. Well, that's what you want it to feel like. When cars have like transmission issues and things like that, do your research on that. If you find a type of vehicle, and I always tell this to people, like if you figure out what you want, then then do some information gathering on that type of vehicle. If it's a great vehicle, you see a lot of reviews on the vehicle, hey, it's great, then go out and drive it yourself. Listen for ticking of the transmission. If it goes tick, 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 that's not good. Okay, we the don't want that. tire falls off. Yeah, tire falls off. That's <laughs> not good either. If it's pulling to the right or pulling to the left, it doesn't mean it's a bad vehicle. It might just need aligned. Okay, it's not a big deal. I always say, like, look, Most of these cars, if you go to a reputable dealership, they're putting it through a pretty good inspection process. They're not wanting to sell you a bad vehicle that has problems. They just don't. Now, I can't speak for everybody, but that's most dealerships in America, right? They want a good product out there. So they put it through a pretty rigorous inspection process. It's on the front line, meaning front line ready, because it passed all the checkpoints and it's good. But then drive it yourself, feel if if it pulls, if something is making noises, listening for noises. I always say drive the vehicle, turn the volume down on the radio and listen to it. If you don't hear a lot, then good. That's That's what you want. Yeah. Yeah. If you hear little things, it doesn't mean it's a bad vehicle either. Maybe just something needs to be addressed. And if I'm buying from a dealership, are the maintenance record included? Not always. You bought a car at dealership A, but you traded it in at dealership B and you had it serviced at dealership A, then how would dealership B get your service records? They wouldn't. So it's not a requirement to have printed out that data to have with the sale of the car. Correct. A lot of our customers that buy our cars, okay, trade them back in with us. And then a lot of times we can even uh, pass that information on to the customer. Like, look, this was a one owner car bought here, serviced here. I can give you the service records of that vehicle. But again, it goes through the service department. They do a lengthy inspection on the vehicle to make it right. In fact, you'd be surprised. Like on average, we spend probably three to $3,500 per car when we take it in on trade just to make it frontline ready. Some cars are more, some cars are less, but on average about 3500 So they're doing a lot of work on the vehicle to make it nice for the next person. That is really good to know because I think a lot of people 
may go the route of trying to buy a used car directly from a person selling it. No, don't do that. And you're thinking, well, I'm saving money, but probably what you're saving, you guys are actually putting into making sure the car's safe. Right, right. Which is worth spending that a little bit of extra money. Now, if you do buy it from a, a person you know, there's two different parts to this. If it's like, hey, this is a $3,000 car, you, you're just looking for transportation, it's got a lot of miles on it, you don't really care, okay, that's one thing. But if you're looking for a really, really good car that you don't want to have any problems, don't you want it to be inspected and make sure that it's it's running great? Buying that from some some guy down the block that you've met on Facebook Marketplace, if something did happen after the fact... You're not going to be able to hold that guy's feet to the fire. Right. And that's why you always want to buy it from a reputable place, too, because things are going to happen. They are electronics in there. It is a mechanical thing. Things are going to happen. You just want to buy from somebody that you know that if something does happen, you can come back and get it handled. And that's why I always say don't go to buy it from a private buyer just because you can't hold their feet to the fire. Yeah. They sold it as is. It is what it is. I mean, the third way you can buy it from somebody, which is, I think this is the better way. If you buy it from a personal friend, you know that person. You know how well they took care of that vehicle. Right. You know that person and how they take care of their other things, their home and things like that. Then that's that's different. But if you're just finding a car on Facebook Marketplace and you go to this guy's house and that's sketchy. I, I wouldn't do that. Yeah. No. And I've been in the business a long time. I wouldn't do that. There's also the verbiage of a clean title. Mm -hmm. That's the other thing that I would caution people on is knowing that you're actually buying it from somebody who owns the title. There's a lot of scams out there, too. You got to be careful nowadays. Yeah. I mean, we have people all the time that try to call us and try to scam us in different ways. Like, hey, I'm going to uh, wire you the money and my friend will come get the vehicle and blah, blah, blah. And uh you just got to be careful. You got to protect yourself. What if they sell you this vehicle, they get you their money, but they never had the title. They had a second loan on this vehicle through a title company or something. So yeah. now you have a car that you paid for. You gave this person your money, but now you don't have a title. So there's a lien on it. You just got to protect yourself and be careful. That's why I always tell customers, like, look, do your research, find reputable dealers. There's many of them out there. And then uh, go Look at the vehicles yourself. You can even take them to a private mechanic if you feel the need. If something isn't like adding up to you, you know what I mean? You're right. hearing something, even though they're telling you it's fine. You can always take it. Most of these mechanics, will, for like $100, they'll look at the vehicle. So, Sean, any tips you have on the best way to negotiate on your used car purchase? It has changed. Back when I got in the car business in 07, there was really no internet. So it's like price could be down the road one price and you go to two miles down the road and be two, three, four thousand dollars difference. In today's world with the internet, 86% of all people that go into a car dealership have already shopped online. 86. That's crazy, wow. right? The average used to be when they bought a car, went to four dealerships before purchasing. Now it's 1.2. So they go to one dealership, maybe two at the most. They're shopping. They're doing all the research online. It behooves the dealership to put their best price or very little profit in that vehicle right from the start. 
Because if I'm three grand overpriced and you have a car that's three grand under me, most customers are going to go to you. So you have to stay competitive in that market. So it's really taken a lot of the the bad name that dealerships used to get. It's really made it better for the consumer in today's market, which is great. So there's not a lot of room, to be totally frank with you. The average profit on a used car is about 1000 to 1500 mm. New cars are non-existent profits. Now, that wasn't the way it was two years ago in the middle of COVID because it went by supply and demand. Nobody had any cars. So if I'm not going to sell 150 this month and I'm only going to sell 75, I'm going to make all the money on my 75. But now that all the cars have come back to dealerships and the prices have adjusted, now it's a competitive market again, which is good for the consumer. There's really not the markups in it that a lot of people think. Well, I'm glad you touched on that because I think a lot of people aren't aware of where things are now in comparison to where it was a few years ago. When it comes to actually wanting to sell a car, Mm -hmm. sell your car to a dealership, say, it was a few years ago where you could get a lot of money from your vehicle. So has that changed? Yes. It's, again, supply and demand. If dealerships have the cars now, they don't have to go to the auctions to supply their dealerships with cars. That's what was happening. There was no new cars coming in, so used cars went inflated because we still have to pay the bills. So we have to have cars to sell. So what happens is we had to go to auctions or people would come in and sell us their cars. Well, if I don't have any new ones to sell customers, I have to sell used ones. And unfortunately, all the prices started rising because the competition out there to buy those vehicles drove the prices up. That's the truth of what happened. Uh, But now that new cars have come back and have plenished the dealerships with cars, everything, the market has adjusted back to where it was. So definitely a better time to buy. Yes, for sure. But you're not going to get twice as much value on your car selling it. A lot of people were too. It was crazy. I remember people would buy cars and then go flip them and sell them and make a profit off something they just bought. It was the first time I've ever seen a depreciating item, which a car is, go up in value. It was crazy. But uh, things have leveled back out to normal now. Are there any other tips for families, for people that are out there in the market for a used car right now? Now, A lot of times people go to get their child a car for like uh, to send him to college or whatever. I did this for my son and it worked really, really good. And I try to educate customers when they have this kind of scenario. If you're going to finance the vehicle, throw your, your child on the back end of the loan. No, they're not going to be making payments. You're probably making payments while they go through school, through college, things like that. But when they get out of college, they're already going to have a paid for car. It's going to help their credit and it's going to really, really help them when they get into the market after graduating to be able to go in and they won't need you to co-sign the next time. That is the best advice I think you could give families. My son graduated. He's a CPA now, but when he got out of college, he walked into the dealership sat down. He had an 810 score. You can't be on a loan until you're 18. Right. Right. So as soon as he turned 18, he had two cars paid off through college because we leased it. I I believe in leasing and that it gets him a smaller payment and it's three-year commitment instead of a six or seven-year loan that you have to do. And it's a new car, right? So I, I never had to worry about while he was out driving and in college, he had a car that was fully under warranty. It's a lower price than it would be buying a used car. And then at the end, man, he walked into that dealership and he sat down. He had an 810 credit score and just bought his own car. And I didn't have to co-sign when he was 24. Beautiful. Well, you just touched on something I do want to ask before we wrap up, the warranty. Sure. 
Everybody talks about the warranty, the texts you get, the emails you get, your car used car warranty. So when we're going into a dealership and we find a decent vehicle, used vehicle that's within our price range, is the warranty something that you recommend? Does it really cover the things that go wrong? What advice would you give people about that? I'm at the highest level I can get in my dealership, and I still buy a warranty when I buy a car. That's really okay. enough said. Why? Because <laughs> I, I don't, I mean, they're electronics. Have you ever found out how much one of those costs like to replace, like just the screen, their screens for grand. Right. And if you're out of warranty, I mean, you're paying for that. And a lot of, I know a lot of people say, oh, it'll never break, but things break. So I want to make sure that I don't have to come out of pocket for that. And that little bit that affects my payment every month, I would rather pay that and have that peace of mind than have to be out of warranty, say at like 36,000 miles and my Bluetooth goes out or my stereo goes out or something like that. The other thing that's very, very important to tell your listeners is gap protection. Say you buy a car and you drive it for a year. What does a car do when you drive it off the lot? Depreciate. Depreciate. Well, you didn't put a lot of money down. You put zero down. You wanted a cheaper payment when you bought it. So you extended the loan out as long as you could to get the cheapest payment. That's what most people do in America. Well, if you don't get gap protection and you get in a car wreck and the car is totaled, you owe that whole loan. Despite not having a car. Right. The insurance is only going to give you what the what the car is worth at that time. Right. So the difference between say it's worth 17,000, but you still owe 27. Where's that money going to come from? It's going to come from you. Well, gap protection protects you, the consumer. They pay the difference. You can get that when you go in there, just like they'll try to sell you a warranty. Okay. They're going to try to sell you gap protection. Gap protection is well worth it. And if you don't get a warranty, you don't believe in it, please get gap protection. Because the last thing you want to do is wreck your car, total it out, have to go buy another one, but still have to pay on your old one. The worst thing. You're absolutely right. That's such good advice. Yes. I love it. Denny and Sean, thank you for helping RVA with your expert advice and happy car shopping to all of our listeners. Well, thanks for having us. Thanks for listening to River City Podcasts. If you're interested in setting up a podcast for your business, go to rivercityconsulting.com. 